You make things difficult for us, do you? No, not really. <laughs> I try to help. <laughs> but once in a while I get lucky and do help. <laughs> Hello everyone. So uh, welcome to a special edition of Cloud Simplified. We're uh, we're here at the Redmond campus at the Executive Briefing Center, and I have some folks lined up to uh, to provide some insight into how we do things with exposing cloud services and capabilities to end users and, and business units with, here at Microsoft, um, which I personally feel are extremely applicable, is extremely applicable to uh, customers such as yourself. So, so uh, joined with me today is uh, Robert from uh, MSIT. Hi. Thank Welcome, you. Robert. Well, thank you. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk a bit about um, you know, creating and establishing some security perimeters for services that you might have on-premises. You know, traditionally, it's always desired to uh, you know, put big China uh, Chinese uh, firewall around um, uh, or a great wall, uh, a great firewall around services that you might have employed on premises. And oftentimes, we see customers wanting to repeat that in the cloud world. And uh, Robert's going to talk about yeah. some of the uh, you know challenges and trials and tribulations that we had here at Microsoft to go through that journey and features that we use in Azure to be able to overcome some of those. Uh, you know those those situations and be able to make sure the assets we have in Azure are, is secure, and also you know that we balance security with being able to provide services to you know business units and, and uh, you know internal employees. Yeah. So so welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, so get, get, give me a little uh, little background of, okay. of kind of where we started and kind of what we did traditionally here at Microsoft. Sure. Uh, which I think you know when you and I were chatting earlier very much aligns with how I see a lot of our customers yeah. doing things. So uh, historically at Microsoft, IT shop was generally a centralized shop. So we had static support, you know, centralized support teams, centralized um, SQL support, networking teams, et cetera, security teams. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've undergone this digital transformation. And I know that's kind of a buzzword, but for IT, it really was around moving to the cloud, uh, creating, moving to more of an agile development practice, and then moving to a DevOps culture. And those three things combined actually make your security um, how you look at security and your security stance, something you need to review, right, okay. from a customer standpoint. So most customers are used to, you know, hiding behind that, that great firewall or that yeah. firewall, and mm -hmm. then everything within the corporate network is considered safe. Um, so you have, you know, stateful package inspection device, all, all this, you know, perimeter stuff, and yes. equipment, and the... And kind of a castle. So if you right. think about technology, if you yeah. think about it from a static fortifications were the big thing back in the Middle Ages, right? They yeah. um, they were very secure and in, inside the castles, you know, until you know someone brought a cannon or airplanes were developed, right? And yeah. so those things aren't those things don't uh, uh, typically apply. So when you talk about Azure and you move in these things to the cloud, um, the corporate network starts to lose its boundary, and so. Um, the valuable gold within the, the corporate network is actually the data. And mm -hmm. so when you start putting your data on a someone else's network and not within your own private IP or private uh, corporate network, um, you're basically, um, you have to think about security differently. And so that firewall, that great wall, that you, mm -hmm. um, imprintable, imprintable wall um, becomes less of a factor. So. Um, what really has to happen is you need to start thinking about identity as your major um, 
uh, kind of a gate, so to speak, of, um, of how do you think about who can get access to what and what can they get access to? That's a, I, I, I love that, that statement because so many times I see customers talking about you know, whitelisting ranges of IP addresses in mm -hmm. Azure and wanting to whitelist you know, public IP addresses mm -hmm. that Azure services might actually potentially run on, yeah. you know, it might be an IP address you're using today, but, but those addresses can change and that becomes kind of a maintenance yep. headache. And so moving to using identity as, as a means of, yep. of uh, you know, establishing a boundary, I think is a, I don't want to use the word paradigm shift in a negative connotation, but it, it is, it is a, yeah. a change in culture. Yeah, it is. And we, we start thinking about, instead of putting some of these gates in place, we start thinking about guardrails and making sure that we can make sure the engineers can have the flexibility and the accountability to do the things that they need to do. But when you think about security, security is not just environment security. You've got to think about your code. You've got to think about how you're going to operate. Uh, you've got to think about how you design your apps. And all these things come together to create a secure service, a secure application. Okay. If you, you miss in any one of those things, you actually um, are opening yourself up. You can have the most secure environment you want, but if I write bad code that has SQL injection or query string manipulation or whatever, you know, cross-site right. scripting, I can bypass that secure environment. Uh, same thing with good code. I could have great code, but if my environment isn't patched or whatever, right? So, you know, I, I basically have a vulnerability. And technically, I mean, your bad code situation with SQL injection, you're the, that could actually apply in kind of the old world, you know, Absolutely. having a castle that you have all this, all these boundaries and then you've got, you know, an open hole to that yeah. with, you know, potentially bad, yeah. badly written code. So, so what, what it really does is it starts to put a focus in, and from, from us, we, we roll this into the DevOps, which is focus of accountability down into the engineering teams to make sure that they're accountable for their security, okay. which means they need to have the tools to be able to do that. And so when you talk about Azure, some of the tools that we think about are the Azure RBAC model. Your hope, actually, let's start, let's back up. Okay. Your subscription model, mm -hmm. right? What does your subscription model look like? Do you separate by production and pre-production? Uh, what about resource groups within the subscription? Do you have one subscription and just separate by resource groups? Each one of those things could have a different Azure RBAC model, right? So yeah, a different role-based access, access control, control right? right? Okay. And, yep. say, and so I can start limiting things. And so in Azure, for example, I could say I have my back-end in one RG, I have my middle-tier in one RG, and I got my UI in one, in one RG. Three separate RGs. I can actually say, hey, my support engineer only gets access to the front-end or only gets access to the middle-tier, not okay. access to the, to the back-end. Or where the data is housed, so, or whatever. So you could put more restrictive policies around yeah. where the where the golden nuggets are. Right. So if you think about it, so from a security standpoint, it starts with your design, and now the Azure subscription model and RBAC comes into your design. Where in the corporate, in the old world, the centralized IT was basically just corporate free for all. So, so how how what governance strategies have we employed around it? Because I've talked to customers yeah. who get not really confused but are perplexed you know, especially new particularly ones that are new to azure um you know with subscriptions they might go down the path of having you know a subscription per project or something yep. you know in that which there's there's ramifications to kind of taking different yeah. different paths so what what do we do here at microsoft so for it we actually have a subscription by service so okay. a service would be like a tax service or a revenue reporting service okay. or or you know a, a wrapper okay. and then inside the subscription we have resource groups and those resource groups actually uh, not only segregate components of the service, but also environments of the service. So okay. a couple of things we try to do. Dev for QA tests, production. Yeah, okay. well, we yeah. try to, we actually try to move away from dev, um, those 
for static dev, QA, okay. pre-prod, or you add. There's expense occurred with that. Because right? there's optimization yeah. expense. So right. we really okay. want to think about environments in the, on demand, okay. right? Using things like ARM templates, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to deploy ARM templates. There's a couple things I can do. I can enforce some standards about what those ARM templates are and so how they're configured, how the resources are configured, back okay. to that security question. The other thing is I can reduce my cost and efficiency and spin up on demand and, and destroy, right, when I'm done with it. And so yeah. um, it's pretty secure when it's destroyed. There's nothing there. True. So if you think about it that way. You know, and that's, you know, that, that right there is kind of describing some of the power that the cloud brings to the table that, you know, getting out of the traditional mindset of having all these security appliances that might have throughput restrictions yep. on, you know, that, yep. that on, on the amount of bandwidth that can go in and out of it. Yep. Um, we talked about, you know, holes that could be potentially opened up by poorly written applications that are deployed inside that castle. And then we also talked about the, the notion of, of the traditional having a, a you know, N number of, of deployments to be able to support development, you know, testing and yeah. QA. There's there's you know cost overhead in that, and that having the agility with capabilities in Azure with ARM templates, automation, right. you know, Visual Studio Team System, a la DevOps, Azure right. DevOps, now, right. to, to be able to automate rapidly provisioning those services That's when right. you need to do testing, and then right. tear it all down. That's right. So that you know, from an efficiency standpoint, I know we're not talking about efficiency, but just the ability to not have that large capital outlay sure. um, does a lot of things for you. You can operate more efficiently. You can do experimentation that you used to never be able to do before. Right? I don't have to go buy a gigantic bunch of machines to do an experiment. I can see if it works yep. and then just destroy it. Um, when we're talking about security, so I, you know, we talked a little bit about the environment, building the environment securely mm -hmm. and making sure like is your subscription model RG, RBACs in your design, you know, besides your normal threat modeling stuff. Well, then you think about the coding aspect of it, right? And so making sure that you have your authentication, your auth in, your auth authorization mechanisms uh, hammered out, making sure you use an SSL example, encrypted transmission. Um, and then you actually move into the, so those are, you can do all these things and, and Visual Studio is a, is, is a really good thing for doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you move in the operations piece, right? So. Um, you're not secure if you can't monitor what's going on in your application, right? And so yeah. from a, an Azure standpoint, we use things like Azure Security Center to get those notifications around, hey, is there a potential liability here? Is the server not patched? Um, you know, is so there is something wrong? So Security Center, you can establish policies around, you know, uh, having a VM that's has BitLocker enabled. Right. And, and the, so somebody yeah. were, so now you're, you're giving the agility to business functional business units or yeah. teams to actually build what they need when they need it but having some controls over stuff that they deploy and so we we, we actually deploy a, a kind of like a federal state city level of governance for when it comes to security okay. right and so think about it as a service team who's accountable for their particular services accountable for not only the service health the uptime and what the performance slas for their particular service but they're also responsible for the security stance mm -hmm. and so they have visibility to what that is yep. but that rolls up to a state level or an organizational level and it rolls up to a Microsoft eventually to a Microsoft level where there's full visibility about what the security stance is okay right including how many servers are patched how many servers aren't patched um, you know what vulnerabilities are people using uh, SQL auth are they using AD auth those type of things so so with that layered cake approach what how do we have that centralized visibility? Like, is is um, so? Let's say I'm I'm in finance and I have ta using your tax example, yep. um, and I've got you know I'm responsible at that state level for that my 
my uh, little yeah. piece of the kingdom. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, you establish some governance policies to be able to automate the monitoring of stuff I deploy there. Right. But how do you have a how, how do you um, put, you know? Uh, push up, on. Yeah, yeah. Push up that that visibility to that. So we use button. OMS okay. uh, um, to basically. So big push is telemetry, building the telemetry okay. within your applications and services, so that you have visibility in sure. things like service cells. Okay. We use OMS. We use Azure Security Center. You can come in at different levels and look at it. So that city level, we call the the people that are running the service or the service actually okay. the city level. Then there's a state level up there which we call offering. So the offering may be finance, for okay. example, or HR. Okay. And then the the, the federal level is more of a, an organizational wide okay. level like CSEO. And to be real honest, there are we use Azure natively as much as we can get and then we build some custom dashboards, Power BI dashboards that say, hey, this is where we are from a federal level okay. so that people can look within their organizations, right, to see what they are. The other thing I want to make sure that we add into there is, um, so I don't know if you know, but we are 90% of our, we run 90% of Microsoft's IT into the cloud and we're in the process of moving in the last 10. Only 26. It's a massive percentage. Yeah. You think about how how large of an environment that is. There was, I think in the beginning it was something like 60,000 VMs. Holy cow. Um, and so, now we're really only about 26% IaaS. And so if you think about how we're pushing the teams and how we're, we're, you know, the teams are going is, look, it's one thing to actually stand up a VM on demand, et cetera. But it's an easy thing to do. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. And people are really comfortable and developers mm -hmm. are really comfortable with it. Until the accountability, security, and say patching has to come along yeah. with that, right? And so, oh no, I got to patch this VM. And says, well, maybe I'll start using some PaaS services so I don't need to worry about that. And so we really have a preference of saying, hey, we want to use SaaS right out of the box if we can. We use PaaS next and we fall back to IaaS. Okay. Now there's still a lot of IaaS movement when we're trying to move legacy apps. But pretty soon, you know, the, the debt of having to deal with VMs, uh, the bare metal is, uh, I had a customer actually do that where they, they launched a product, an ISV, you know, launched a product um, that they commercialized and, you know, through the development process, the patching and making changes wasn't really that big of a deal. But then when the service is live, I kind of like, oh my gosh, I've got yeah. this stuff that I need to, need to patch and maintain. How am I going to do that without maintaining my SLA that I've promised my customers? So, so there's yeah. other challenges. That, that it's, is, it's a cultural shift, yeah. right? So right. there's no more throwing over the wall. So. When you think about all these different transitions, right, that DevOps transition of taking the accountability with on the team to not only run the service, but test the service and develop the service, um, it, it, it's a huge opportunity for enabling, um, you know, evolution and innovation. Sure. But it's also, um, it's, a, it's about understanding how your end-to-end -end works, how that end-to-end -end service works and improving the service. Right, and so then you start seeing things like telemetry getting built in just because, hey, I want to know how my features being used because I'm responsible for that piece. Yeah. Or I might be the DRI or what we call a directly responsible individual. It's a person that's on call with the, you know, um, he may have a support, it may be his shift, uh, his two weeks in the on-call support role. And it's okay. like, um, hey, you know, I'm going to build this thing cause, so that I don't get woken up in the night. Okay. So you can kind of kind of get amazed how fast things get fixed when uh, an engineer is directly involved versus um, involved second and third hand from these support teams from a centralized fashion. Right, and that, and <clears throat> that only, um, you know, kind of describes some of the, the, the feature capabilities we have in Azure for oh, somebody to be able to build on top, you know, take something that like yeah. uh, Azure Security Center and kind of build on top of that custom, right. customized reporting. Is the same. 
that sort of thing. So tell me a little bit about the, the guardrails you, you mentioned about, you know, so, um, you know, going back to that, that discussion about how customers want to replicate what they've done historically in the cloud and like what, what sort of parameters do we put in place to try to So a couple them? of things. So we think about, um, so we should think about historically we thought about gates going mm -hmm. through a, an SDL or security, um, security life cycle check, you know, yeah. someone that security would review the design, review everything there. But when you think about you're releasing new code on, on weekly sprints or bi-weekly sprints. That slows you down, so it, it, it removes the agility. Right, and, and to be real honest, that application that you reviewed 90 days ago or 120 days ago is no longer look like the same thing that True. you're reviewing today, right? Yeah. So, so what we think about is we think about um, trying to enable the security checks um, in place. So, you know, in our build, in our CICD pipeline, hmm. Uh, we try to think about things like, and that's guardrail. So you can build whatever you want, but I'm gonna I'm gonna add a couple of tasks to your build to make sure you maybe static, you don't static code analysis, static uh, code analysis. Okay. Make make sure I'm scanning for secrets, maybe or maybe a public endpoint that I don't need. Okay. Um, and then um, well, I know I've been I've been uh, notified about. Uh, you know, repos that I put demos out that yeah. have key you know, storage account keys. That, yeah. you know, for you know, it's not really you know golden nuggets. It's it's, yeah. it's a it could, not very it, secure if you give them the key. Yeah, right? it could be. <laughs> so, um, but so that, that's probably an example of some you know automated scanning and alerting. Yeah. Go, so but, so we build yeah. it back into there, um, and then and then if you think about Azure where we're headed, so we don't have everything figured out, right? We're still. In our in our evolution, in our transition. So sixty thousand PMs, and we're still in our evolution. <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah. we always yeah. think we can get better. Yeah, right? we true. can get better. Okay, at this. okay that and makes so, sense. Okay. And and uh, we learn things, and Azure changes on a very frequent basis, As right? Our customers well, know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. Uh, new functionality, new capabilities exist, and so we want to take advantage of those capabilities, not only for a cost perspective, but also security perspective in this particular case. And so you think about things like uh, Azure management groups and policies, for example, and so. Instead of um, doing the uh, let me catch you after the fact you deploy. That's a fairly new feature. That's yeah, a new yeah. feature, right? And so uh, instead of catching after the fact you deploy or in your deployment, you just can't deploy, yeah. right? Those type of things. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, another benefit of using something like an ARM template and infrastructure on demand. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the management groups, just to kind of summarize that really quickly, it's a oh, way sorry. to kind of define policies for. Um, you can you can you've always been able to do it at a subscription level or at a resource group yeah. level, but when you establish those, it's oftentimes you want to reuse those across right. multiple subscriptions right. or, or maintain. You want to put an organizational standard. Maybe someone has a different organization. Exactly. So it's a way to be able to kind of capture all of those and yeah. say, okay, in this subscription, this resource group is going to have this policy on it. Oh, and, that's correct. And, and when you make changes to that yeah. policy centrally, it can it, it'll impact whatever groups right. they have that assigned to. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so, anything else that uh, you think would be beneficial to kind of talk about? Um, um, you know, you know the respective network security. Yeah, well, you know, actually, now I think about it, one thing that would be interesting to kind of click in a little bit more yeah, as the the identity as the 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 new the you know, new barrier. Yeah, the yeah, new thing. yeah. So, aside just from usernames and passwords, like what other things do we? So, a lot of things. Uh, so, here newer stuff that that I would recommend people try to use mm -hmm. is stuff like MSIs or managed service identity. Okay. So, when you're hooking up applications, that way AD manages your basically your secret for you. There isn't a secret there to manage, for example. Yeah. Um, so you have an application deployed, like a website has a managed service identity that they, yep. that's the context 
that's the website right. is running under. And if it needs to talk to a SQL database, it yep. does it under that context as opposed to that's a username that that's I correct. know. And from a developer standpoint, hey, that's one less thing I have to worry about, right? Once I've got it set up, I don't have to worry about rotating that secret, for example. I don't have to worry about usernames or passwords. I do not have to worry about a developer who might correct. see that in a config file, and now you've got a yeah. security risk. So, okay. Um, Correct. And then Azure Key Vault, for example, right? So when you do have a secret uh, key that you need to manage and, um, you know, using something like Azure Key Vault to okay. actually uh, store and manage access to that key. Okay. Um, the other things we we do from an operational standpoint is we use uh, privileged identity management, okay. which is basically just a way to uh, temporary elevate yourself if you need to do something in production or in, in any environment, right. really. Uh, and then you get dropped out or you can drop out and so there's no persistent access from that identity. So I see lots right? of customers that have, you know, the regular user account, they have an admin user account and that's kind of yeah. pacifies the security needs for, for auditing and, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But but you still have that individual that has full admin privileges across everything. Yeah. And Pim But you can actually try to get away from that by basically saying, Hey, um, I'm on call this way. And for the next two weeks, I'm eligible to be elevated to an owner of a subscription if I need to. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not elevated at that point. I have to request it. I have to request now it's it. audited. It's audited. Everything you do is audited once, mm -hmm. you, once you, you've been elevated, et cetera. Yeah. And so uh, trying to get rid of persistent uh, you know, administration and persistent rights entitlements in general, again, protecting that identity. Okay. Right? Yeah, um, is 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 another feature we try to use. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a great summary because I mean, think about you know eliminating you know usernames and passwords and config files, protecting them in Key yep. Vault if you need to, and then using something like privilege identity management to to do an uh, elevation to where if you need access to it, right? Yep. Yep. And then and only at at the time you need access, okay. and then drop out, and so you don't have that persistence. So while you're sleeping, you never had access. Okay. Right. So even if your yeah. identity was compromised at that point, they, you still don't have access. Okay. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. And then, so, so thinking about, you know, go, going back to one of the, the very first things we talked about, like if you have a, you know, an application here that needs to talk to a uh, public cloud service, like a SQL Azure, I mean, are, are you, you then employing those, those identity concepts to be able to protect, you know, you have an application that might still yeah. be one of these 10% that's running on-premises today yeah. and needs to talk to something in the cloud. Uh, how, how are you? So we have, so most like more, most organizations, we have um, standards around our authentication and authorization. And okay. so one of the things that we talk about when we, we talk to developers around security in this DevOps model is making sure that we secure the end-to-end -end chain, right? So mm -hmm. if I got a typical three-tier application, the tiers shouldn't trust each other. Uh, historically, people use service accounts or these um, God accounts that mm -hmm. maybe we can get across everything. Well, what that really means is if I compromise one machine, you've I, got, I've you've got, got three access layers. to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to make sure that you know we have uh, authentication and authorization checks at every layer, right? Okay. So um, that's, in general, that's how we talk about trying to, we talk about a few things, but we talk about Securing every layer, we talk about reducing your identities, your entitlements, um, excuse me, not identities, entitlements. We talk about making sure you do proper threat models to understand code reviews, right? Code reviews have to be, we have to have two people review the code before we can deploy the code. Okay. So there's another set of eyes. So there's a lot of these things and processes that we put in place to to make sure that we build security from the ground up rather than trying to come in either at the beginning of the stage 
and when we know things are going to change on a frequent basis or come in at the end and say, hey, um, this isn't secure, but it's been running for two months, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that makes it. So, so, so we're not doing all the whitelisting on, on, on you know, Azure public endpoints like the, no. like, okay. But we do so, monitor yeah. endpoints, right? So we talk about, hey, why increase your surface area? If you don't need a VM, don't take your VM, right? Do a yeah. path, do a, yeah. um, Use a PaaS, use SaaS. Okay. All right. So that's one less thing you got to patch, for example. Yep. Right? Okay. Oh, it makes sense. Well, don't have you. public IP if you don't need it, right? Right. <laughs> use yeah. VNet to segregate your. Yeah, your, yeah. Your, 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 SQL um, Azure allows right. you to, yeah. to only restrict access from a, a private IP. Yeah, so you have all these tools that are basically in the hands of the engineers now that used to be managed by a central team and, you know, created a lot of friction and trying to get anything really done at scale. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I think that you've given you know so a good depiction of what we've done to kind of protect our keys of the kingdom and you know golden you know nuggets of data in, yeah. in, in the cloud. And um, you know, from my point of view, I mean, we have a massive IT infrastructure, and if we're able to do it using employing these features of Azure, that's kind of how we think about it. Yep. Any you know any customer out there can do it too. Yeah. So thank you very much. No problem. Yeah.